two middle-aged men in Cleveland getting ready to celebrate the Christmas holiday coming up in a few days. Ken Dworznik and Ted Kringle. Yeah. Ted Kringle. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. All right, I got to ask you. We're going we're gonna to go right into this. You weren't ready for this question. Are you done shopping? Oh, God, no. Oh, no. I used to shop on Christmas Eve, so I'm not I'm not going to say anything to you. Things have changed just because of the ability to order things through your phone now. But yeah. God love you, man. It yeah. is, by the way. Once again, we don't get political on this show. We don't do that. But a lot of people talked about, you know, the inflation that's going on right now. It's going to keep people out of the stores. Yeah, I don't know what stores they're not going to because the stores that I go to, they're all there. Every yep. one of them, Tom, yep. Dick, and Harry, every one of them are out there yep. running around. It's crazy out there. Christmas can't be stopped. My gosh. Um, so my wife, we're riding home from a, a hockey game yesterday. I know that's a surprise. And she says, hey, does uh, does number one, we call them, we number them, does number one want to buy, want to get a, a gift for his brothers? Oh, you call the boys by a number? Sometimes One, two, do and three? Numbers. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Okay. And, uh, like and uh, so he's she's on speakerphone and he's like, yeah, sure. And she's like, okay, well, here's a couple ideas. What do you think? And he's like, uh, okay. And she's like, okay, we'll think about that for the one. And I'll call you back and we'll talk about a gift for the other kid. She never called back. And then at home, she's like, so did you stop and get stuff for your brothers? I'm like, you never called us back. What? And she's like, well, you, you didn't go. You, you should no, have known. Go. You were supposed to go. I go. Go. You know, I mean, what are the parameters for this gift? How much are we spending? What's the deal? You're asking too many questions. I you were just supposed to go there and get it. And to go. So, yeah, it's uh, it's very confusing. But. I'll tell you what's not confusing is our uh, fantasy football league. That's uh, oh, oh boy. So in our uh, um, playoffs, I was in the playoffs. Mark Schwab, who from uh, 19 News, who has been on our show, uh, was in the playoffs. Ken, not not in the playoffs. Ken's <laughs> wife in the playoffs. Yeah, and yeah. the fourth team. A buddy of ours who went 12 and one this season and only lost, missed a perfect regular season in the last week of the regular season. He lost. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. So, Mark Schwab, I was up early on Mr. Schwab thanks to um, uh, uh, Jarek McKinnon, who I started because I didn't have anybody else. Yeah, he went crazy. Yeah, he did. And uh, Dalvin Cook helped out there a little bit too. And so I got a, uh, I got a text from Mr. Schwab that I can't really. Well, let me see if I can read this. You can uh, uh, edit it. Edit it. Yeah, let me. PG thirteen uh, edit. Yeah, let me. Uh, let's see here. Uh, blank McKinnon and blank that blanking blank on the Texans that just gifted KC a win. Bengals need them to lose, but blankety Texans are going to blankety Texans. I can't tweet this, so you're getting stuck with this message. <laughs> and I uh, 
I responded to that. And I said, tell me, tell me how you really feel. There you go. And uh, then he came back and, and beat me 139.7 to 105.7. Now, uh, in the other uh, uh, semifinal between uh, Eowyn and uh, this team that almost went undefeated, uh, the margin of victory is 0.3 points. 0.3. Yes. yes. Uh, which means, essentially means three yards. Somebody should have run for three more yards or caught three more yards or something. Yep. Like that. And uh, no punt intended. The no. uh, the almost undefeated team defeats great expectations. Aowen, 103.5 to 103.2. Uh, any chance we can get the coach of the losing team on the podcast for some comments? Is that a possibility? Oh. I don't know, but I will say that I've never been so intrigued to watch the Cincinnati Bengals play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Yeah, and rooting for some guy by the name of Chris Godwin to somehow get a pass caught at uh-huh. the end of the game, which, as you know, didn't happen. Yeah, it was tense. Yeah. It was kind of silence after the game, and then it got better. 83 so. yards and a touchdown, uh, not enough for Mr. Godwin. No. Nope. <laughs> Well, nope. I would say perhaps a uh, tight end. Now, let me just point this out. Tight end, Mr. Fryermuth put up a goose egg. He did. Mr. Gasecki had five yards. Yeah. So those that's five not yards, like, those yeah. five yards would have won you the game. By that would have made the difference. A, right. Yeah. Who would have thought that? Well, she did have another tight end that got 17 points, but I don't think she would ever play him. Oh, Mr. U- Uzama or whatever his Uzama. name is. Yeah. Uzama, whatever. Yeah. 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 It was tense. We had a tense evening. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, oh, the Browns aren't playing and things are good. My sister's coming into town with, with the children. It'll be great. Nope. Nope. A little tense. It's little okay. Tense. Nobody, nobody got hurt. Nothing got thrown. Everything was good. So, okay. uh, well, so we're on to we Christmas. Go. We're on no, to Christmas. We're on to Christmas. How do you feel about the game this past week? We're under Christmas. We're getting ready for Christmas. Okay. Well, so there's your uh, fantasy football update. Three-tenths of a point push one team to a uh, a title position. And uh, the tight end from Dallas, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Schultz? Yeah. 1.5 points. Heroes. Yeah, 1.5 points. 1.5. Sergeant Schultz. Is that your tight end? No. And Deontay Foreman, nine yards rushing. Puts you over the top every time. Yep. Yeah. Less than a point. So there we go. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll update everybody and see what happens here. Uh, so we're on to we're on to Christmas and we're on to the rest of our show here. We've got some overachievers talking about drinking uh some alcohol. Wow. Uh, we've, uh, we went out and about this weekend. We're going to talk about it and it involves more than a hockey rink. Uh, good news for some motorists in Florida who might otherwise have received a ticket. Klops clips. You won't believe what cops are looking for in Germany and a new segment called 
what are we calling this? What are you watching? What's on my DVR? We plan this out way in advance. All of those, all of yes. those above. Yes. yes. What and odd things are you watching? Maybe. Who? What who's odd things our you guest this week? Uh, who's our guest this weekend? Bob or Jerry, filmmaker, local guy who's worked on a bunch of different movies, made movies here in the area. Super exciting. He's actually a classmate of mine, so I'm excited to talk to Bob this week. That and more straight ahead. <laughs> Well, time for one of my favorite segments on our show as we bring in Colin Forgotch with our segment called Kids Speak. Colin is a sixth grader, lives in Sylvania. Colin, how are you? It's been a little while since we've talked to you. We need our sports fix, and I can't think of another person that we could talk to to tell us more about Cleveland sports. How are things, my friend? I'm pretty good. I'm honored to be on here. Well, you did such a great job the last time we had to catch up with you. So I, I have to follow you on social media. I mean, that's how I have everybody has to find out what's going on with everyone. And I saw that you recently had the opportunity to go to the Cavs. And I thought it'd be a great time to kind of talk about their season, your experience with the Cavs and things like that. So you had the opportunity to go to the Cavs game. It was on a Friday night, correct? For Sacramento. Is that yes. is that what it was? Yes. How was the experience? And talk a little bit about what you saw. Um, Very fun. We had very good seats. We were, it was like kind of crazy because when you're like kind of like lower down, they're so like the players are like humongous. Yes. So then when you look at them, they're like, wow, like they're like humongous. <laughs> yeah. Wow, then like, you okay. realize, yeah, that they're like the seven foot guys are actually seven foot, things like that. So talk yeah. about, I think, unfortunately, in that game, I think the Cavs lost, but talk about some of the, uh, some of the highlights of that contest and maybe piggyback that with some of the highlights that you've seen so far this year with the Cavs. Um, well, sadly, Donovan Mitchell was out, so that was sad. Yeah, but tough. um Garland, he played um pretty decent. Um Lavert actually, he played pretty good. He had like he had like 22 in the first half. And then saw cool. Mobley Mobley with his random corner threes he starts making. Um Garland, he was there, right? He played Garland. Yeah, Garland, he played pretty decent. He he kind of he had a he had a slow start in like the first quarter, second quarter he started picking up, yeah. and then we sat him in the third just to to have his energy for the fourth, and then they just they had great defense in the fourth and Garland couldn't get anything up. Recently, as we tape this, uh, Cavs have been playing very well. What do you think are the strengths of the teams? And on one side, and then I'll come back and ask you another question. What do you think the weaknesses are right now? Well, right now I think the strengths are. I think when we have our whole team together, our chemistry is so well, like Mitchell and Garland coming together. Uh, Darius is more like that point guard that can just shoot deep, but Mitchell is strong enough that he can just like, and then he, he has insane hops that he can just jump over like some like big center. I, and I think Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, they work so well together because like, Jared Allen's that bigger guy that can get the rebounds, but then Mobley is more of that person that can not, I don't want to say a shooter, but he can, he can shoot if he needs to. Yeah. And then Jared Allen's that type of guy for like dunks and put back layups and stuff like that. He like with all the rebounds, because Mobley sometimes he's like this year when Jared was out, he was, he was kind of struggling at playing center because he's not that size. He's more skinnier. Yeah. Yeah, and I know he's been working on the offseason and trying to put on weight, and I did think that's the key to his success. But defensively, both of those guys are really good. Oh, As yeah. I look at the team overall, Colin, I want to get your two cents on this, maybe some of the weaknesses. I, I watch, you know, Karis Levert at times is up and down. But the rest of the bench, and, and recently you've had like Lamar Stevens, who's gotten some spot starts. 
Okoro all of a sudden now is playing again. He wasn't playing for a while, but I still think they need a couple pieces and Ricky Rubio is coming back in January. What's your thoughts? I think one of the weaknesses with the team, I think, is the bench. And, and what do you think, you know, is there another player out there that they can maybe pick up at a deadline? Or what do you think they're missing off the bench that maybe they, that, that could help them as the, the what, season goes on? What I think they're for sure missing is another big man. I think in the draft or something like that, we need to come up. Because when Jared Allen was out, it wasn't our – it wasn't working well with Robin Lopez and Evan Mobley being our centers. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're going to need to pick up like another good center Um, that we need in there. Draft one, maybe a big yeah. man. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think our bench, like, cause our bench players are on and off. Sometimes they'll have good games. Other times they'll have bad games. Like a lot of the times, like, yeah, like Lamar Stevens, he like, he, that one time had a big game. But then, like, and then Karis LeVert that one time dropped, like, 40. But, like, yeah. lately, he hasn't really been doing a lot. Yeah. And then I think I think Chetty Osmond is an amazing player off the bench. I think Chetty, so, too. I think, yeah. Um, Kevin Love, for the minutes he plays, um, his three-pointers, very good free-throw shooter. Yeah. Not free-throw shooter. Well, that, too, but oh, three-point shooter. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think we definitely just need to – get help on the uh on like centers yeah i would i would completely agree and it, it's kind of tough that kevin love got hurt i know he's been playing but there was questions if he broke his thumb i know one of the last games yeah. he played he had a ton of rebounds but he didn't score you know so yeah. you, you need that scoring and i i was surprised to see that lopez who i was really excited about when they picked him up i think he was playing for milwaukee last year i thought he would really give us some minutes not a lot but five to 10 minutes a game, you know, just as a spot to, to help out with Mobley and Allen. And yeah, he's just not in the mix. I guess he's just no, not maybe sure. picked up the offense or whatever. So that's, that's been kind of tough. So it was real. it was, I will say though, at the start of the year, Robin Lopez, he wasn't doing half bad. Like he made like when that one time he was like falling on the ground and threw like a, like behind yes. his head. And it's something I remember in. that play. Yes. He was, yes. He, he was playing, he was playing decent at the start of the year. And then he just, He's not been playing good defense as of late, and it's yeah. not helping us on transitions. Yeah. That's correct. His transition defense is poor. He just seems like yeah. he just can't get up and down the floor. So we'll see. But, yeah, Cavs, I mean, obviously it's it's super exciting. A lot of the points you made, I really do agree. I think the big difference with the Cavs this year, obviously the Mobley, you know, you, you have Allen, you have Garland, but Donovan Mitchell, he is he's a superstar. I mean, he is the type yeah, of guy sure. in big games and – I, I don't know if you had the opportunity to see when the Cavs played the Lakers against LeBron and he oh, took no, the game yeah. over. I mean, he was, he was a difference maker and that's something the Cavs yes. haven't had since LeBron was on the team mm-hmm. for sure. He, so. Yeah. Cause like, I think last year we had that team, but we needed that one more spot and that yeah. was the Mitchell. That's yeah. the Mitchell that we got. Yeah. His athleticism. I, I think considering he played on the West coast, so you didn't really have an opportunity to see a lot of his games. I don't think people really understood how good he really is. So very excited about the Cavs. Now, another team I wanted to kind of quickly talk to you about as well, the Cleveland Browns, which is, it's been a very overall, it's kind of been a rough season. It really has. You've been going ups and downs. And then, you know, your starting quarterback doesn't play until later in the season and had, had some struggles, but let's be honest, Colin, they're coming off some victories. I mean, they, they, you know, they lost to Cincinnati but then they've come back and, and won against Baltimore, which is a 
divisional game. The defense is playing better. What's your thoughts on the Browns right now? Obviously, it's going to take a lot for them to make the playoffs, but they have some more home games as we uh, tape this podcast. They have the Saints coming up, and I think yeah. that's a very winnable game. I think, no, I think for sure. Uh, I think the Saints, we could definitely beat. I, I hope we beat them. Um, with our defense, I think we could definitely stand over Andy Dalton. He won't be able to play through our secondary because Denzel Ward is finally back to yeah. what he usually is. He's playing great. Um. I think, yeah, I think we definitely struggled. And I think, let's see, I think we need David Njoku healthy because Harrison Bryant by himself, not the best, especially when, like, Njoku got the game-tying game, game tying catch against um the Buccaneers over Devin White. That was, that was insane. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is coaching, to be completely honest. I think Joe Woods, we – be 100% honest, I think we need to get Joe Woods out of play calling. I don't think he's a good defensive coordinator. Um, And I think Kevin Stefanski, he's proved that he can play call. But I just don't think he can head coach and play call at the same time. I mean, like, I haven't seen of late, but earlier in the season, did you see the stat where it was like every time Nick Chubb had at least 20 carries, we won? Yep. And I just think, yep. yeah, like, we don't give him the ball as much. And he has been a bit of a slump lately. But he was able to get back to it last, um, the game that we just had against the Ravens. And I think that should just – I hope that trailblazes momentum to the next games to show that he should be able to get the ball. Like, I think he he is. He's a top three running back in the NFL. Yeah. I'm just impressed you're using trailblazers. I mean, I, I don't, that's not even in my vocabulary. I'm impressed, man. You, you speak extremely well. I, I Here's the one thing I will say about the Browns, and I want to get your insight on this. Deshaun Watson, you could see the athleticism. I think he is going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. How, For sure. how do you feel right now? With, I mean, we're not talking about everything that happened and why he didn't play. What I'm talking about is you've played football. You've been around football. You know, Obviously, an uncle, two uncles that played football and all that kind of stuff. Do you think it's tough to bring a quarterback in in the middle of your season and try to have him try to work with with receivers and running backs and an offense when you've had another guy who is a top 10 quarterback? Once again, athleticism and abilities far outweigh, you know, with with Watson that they do with Brissett. But you could just see the continuity, obviously, with game one. Luckily, they played Houston, who's terrible, and they made a ton of mistakes, speaking of Houston. But. I just think I don't know. I, I'm I'm having a hard time, and maybe you have some insight on this of of where we would be right now if Brissett continued to be quarterback. Your thoughts? Um, I don't really pers- I don't think anything would change. I think we have the same record if Brissett was in. Um, I think what was the game? Was it against the Bengals? I don't think the Bengals are red hot right now. I don't think yeah, we would good. be able to beat them even with Jacoby. Yeah. Um. No, I really think, no, Deshaun will be the guy, and I know he will be great again. But it's just, he has not had a snap in 700 days, and he's had he he's had to practice with, he has only been able to practice with the re- receivers for four weeks Yeah. over the season. Yep. I mean, like, everyone's, like, trashing on him, but he's just, I, I sometimes, I mean, I get it why they're trashing on him, but, like, it, like, I just give him time because he's going to be great again. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He just needs that time of practice and in games. And you saw the difference this past week, even though it was kind of crappy weather. 
where they beat Baltimore on that Saturday night. You, you could see that he's starting to, you know, build some trust and, and be on the same wave wavelength with his different receivers and all that kind of stuff. So, all right, yeah. here we go. What, what do you think? How do the Browns finish up? What's their record now? I think right now we're at five wins. Is that right? We have five wins right now. Was it four? I think no. So what I think is going to happen is right now. I think we're going to, no, I think we're going to win out. Okay. I think we're going to win out the rest of the games because I think Saints, easy win. Um, Steelers, easy win. I think. You think the Steelers is an easy win? Yeah. Okay. I think that's, that one's in Pittsburgh too, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it is. Um, I think the, I think the commanders is going to be the hardest one. They're a good team. Yeah. They're a good team. They should have won this past week. Yeah. Seven, six, and one. I mean. Yep. I they they could definitely we could definitely beat them, but it's gonna be the hardest win I think. I think it's gonna come down to a close game, but I still think we're gonna be able to edge them out. Hopefully, our defense can play over Taylor, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, that's because he has he's been playing pretty decent this year. Yeah, after getting benched. Um, yep. so I don't know. I'll see. We'll see what happens. I think we'll be able to win out, though, but I still don't think we're going to make the playoffs. No, I, don't, I think you might be right. I, I think we'll be competitive. I think the Steelers game is always tough, playing over there. And once yeah. again, I, I found my stats or my phone wasn't working. Six wins for the Browns right now. So we'll see. Yeah. I, I think they everyone expected a little bit more, but unfortunately they just, you know, they run into some, some problems on defense, which I think they have kind of improved in all honesty. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll find out this week as we move forward. All right, we need the Colin Forgosh update on sports. As we finish here, tell me what happened with the fall. What are you doing here in the winter? And then what do you got in the spring sports wise? Okay. So, well, I finished football, like I want to say two months ago, maybe um, rough season lost our the last three games. Okay. Um, I, I, got, I got, let's see, 18 tackles, one sack, something like that. Nice. Um, nice. then now we have basketball. Um, our team's having a rough season so far. We're zero and three. Oh boy! Okay, um, you gotta shake it up, man. You gotta change it up. I know, but the weirdest some good part stuff is we won the championship last year with this practically the same team. Oh boy! Well, you guys are li- you're living off the championship times. You gotta you gotta get down to the down and uh, the nitty gritty. Um, do the little things. So that's good. And, and what then, do you do in the spring? Lacrosse. I got, um. Yeah, I have spring lacrosse which that's for my one team. And then during the summer I have for my other team called Resolute. They're all in, like they're in Ohio. They're like, yep. yeah. So I play for the Toledo team. Very cool. Exciting. All right. Last question. It's Christmas time. What is the one thing you ask for Christmas? To be honest, a lot of clothes. I don't a know. A lot just... of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Every time I see you, though, you got something different on. You're sporting Toledo as we have this conversation right now. What kind of clothes do you want? What are you looking for? It's like, it's like, it's just, there's so many things I want, but it's just, there's so many different, like. You talk about sports stuff, right? Are you talking about sports clothes or are you just talking about clothes in general? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. Sports clothes. More jerseys. Yeah. Uh. Actually, I asked for a few jerseys. Okay. Um. Any who in particular? Uh, we'll leave it at that. What particular jerseys are you looking to get? Um. An Eddie George Ohio State jersey. Oh wow! Yeah, he was a classic. He was a very good player. 
Yes. That's cool. And then I, cause I like him a lot. It's kind of weird, but it's Stefan Diggs Jersey. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. And then I just got uh for Christmas with, um, with, from my grandma, I'm getting a, um, Detroit Lions, Aiden Hutchinson Jersey. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. They've had a nice season, by the way. It's been kind of they fun have. to watch them. Yeah, they had a really big win this past week against the Jets. So, Well, Colin, thanks for the update. We appreciate the sports talk. We don't have the opportunity to do that very often on our podcast, and it's nice to talk to somebody that is very knowledgeable about the Cleveland teams. I, I think you're going to have – we're going to have to come up with a nickname for you. You know, there's the Cincinnati kid. I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with the Cleveland kid. I think that's going to be your nickname, the Cleveland kid. What do you think about that? Does that work for um, you? Well, let's make that name on the rise. I'll become known. Sounds good. Yep. We'll, we'll get you viral and, uh, you know, we'll get that going and get the hashtags out there, the YouTube stuff and all that. So, well, thank you so much for the time, Colin. Of course. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And uh, we're going to be doing this again very soon. I don't know if you know this or not, but Mr. Klopp and I talked about this and I think at least once a month, we're going to have you on to talk a little bit more sports, if that works for you. That works perfectly. All right. Merry cool. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ted, we have an overachiever. Thank God. It's not you for getting all your Christmas shopping done. Because I didn't. But it is the Breckenridge Distillery in Utah. I, okay. I can't think of a better winner for this award. It has broken an unofficial record for the longest shot ski. That's right, shot ski. Shotsky. I know you love to do shot skis. You've done yeah. a couple before, I think, at the Hofbrau House. Yeah. The people there connected, holy cow, 468 skis into 2,401 foot chain, Yeah. allowing 1,350 people to take shots of the Distillery's Broncos bourbon at the same time. I oh want to be part of this. Yeah. I feel as though we can maybe do this some somehow on our own. Uh -huh. This event was part of the Yule Frest. Is that it? Yule Frest? I guess. Yule Frest? It's kind of fun to say, to be honest yeah, with you. Sure. Which marked its 59th year and is dedicated to Yule, the Norse god of snow. Oh, you got a new name. I, I think uh Ted Yule. He think he's think he I think he should be the uh uh, the god of bourbon is what i think oh my gosh i would think so my wow. brother would love this tony dwarznik yeah. would be all over the shot ski he has shot skis he always pulls them out meaning the shot ski <laughs> this would be a wonderful thing to, for him to be a part of so breckenridge distillery congrats on the uh unofficial record for the longest shot ski 468 skis man that's a lot 2400 feet love it love it Ken, we were out and about this past week, and I was not just at a hockey ring. Whoa! Love it. Shocking, I know. Uh, so we uh, went. We took the boys to the orchestra. Really? For a, holiday, for a holiday or a Christmas concert. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and now we were 10 seats from the top in the back, but 
there's not a bad seat in the house. No. And you're there for the sound anyway. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. Oh, yeah. that's really so, cool. Did they enjoy it? Did they have fun? Oh, not as much as I <laughs> not as much as I had hoped. Uh, they uh apparently we can't have surprises in our house. Oh, there were tears. Why didn't you tell me we were doing this? Well, I didn't really? know I had to clear it with you. Well, wow. I, I, you know, I wanted to stay home. I said, well, finally, I just went with, believe me when I tell you, this is not a mistake that will be duplicated. <laughs> Are you saying that this is the Jimmy Carter one and done? Is that what you're saying? That's it. Uh, unless I get requests to go back. I'm oh not boy. spending 250 bucks for the five of us to go again <laughs> and have that kind of stuff go on. Hell no. Pardon my French. Yeah, I was. This has I, become a venting out and about. We're going to bring an event. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I got to have a stroke. Let me get in two seconds here. Oh. <clears throat> Is there any other places you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Yeah, we got. Uh, I was I, I I had one kid crying when we left, crying when we got there. I'm like, what is? And then and then they do intermission. Yes, you they know do. what? Know what the response I got was? There's more. Oh my! And so then you know the show ends. Oh. Everybody stands up and applauds, and. My wife thinks it's over and she's, you know, we should, let's try to get out of here and whatnot. And she's like, I think we should go. And I said, they're not leaving the stage. I think they're going to play another song or two. And I get another one, not from her, but. Oh my. From a four footer. That, that is hands down. One of the best out and abouts we've had. On so this show. I, I, uh, I can't hold a candle to that. Now, Santa was there. He did uh, oh, cool. arrive. All right. he, did, he did take some audience questions. Like, for example, really, are any politicians on the nice list? Answer, no. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Has Santa ever been on the naughty list? He who makes the list is not on the naughty side. Oh, wow. Things I like, like that. that. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, so I think they were excited to hear see Santa. Um, you know the song Sleigh Ride with the slap of the it sounds yeah. like a whip. Yeah. They thought that was outstanding. That is, yeah, that's well done there. So I've seen that show before. Well, they do a I, very good, nice job. Um I enjoyed it. Um so <laughs> yeah, that was we tried. Twig Twigby there, Bear was there. Do you remember the Twigby shop? I do, yes. Yeah. Twigby it's Bear it's was starting there. to come back again. It's getting popular again. Yeah. So Twigby Bear was there. And uh, so, yeah, so we went out and about there. And then I went out and about. My kids went to Adrenaline Monkey and Shaker Rocks on separate days. For what is the, I don't know what either of those are. What is that? Adrenaline Monkey is like a American Ninja Warrior for kids. Inside. Oh, okay. Got it. You know, all kinds of stuff. Got it. And I know this will be a shock to you when I tell you that the Klopp kids were the first ones there and the last ones to leave. I'm not surprised to hear that. At 9 p.m. I love that stuff. The place. Wow. And then uh, uh, Shaker Rocks is a rock climbing place. So, Oh, that's cool. I have heard a, of that one. Yes. A hockey, uh, bunch of hockey kids go there. And cool. uh, 
That was fun. I got to go to the Crown Plaza downtown for my cousin's wedding. Nice. That was very exciting. Got to see folks I have not seen in way too long. And uh, it was nice. It was great. Super fun day event. That's a nice, that's a nice yes. facility. Good for you, man. That's cool. So that's cool. Yeah. My uh my out and about will not be as exciting as yours. We went to the Christmas Carol. We've done that a couple of years in a row now. Now, did your um, kids uh fight you on that? Did they cry and complain? No, no, they knew maybe it was because it wasn't a surprise. I guess they knew what they were going. Maybe that was it. So but uh they they had a very good time. It was actually Awen and her son, and then her mom was in town as well. And so we all went. It was fun. And then I, uh Recently, we've uh, last weekend, we went to one of our favorite cocktail places. I will mention it again. It's called Speak of the Devil in Lorraine. And they all, we also went to a place called the Shipyard that had a, a very nice Christmas decoration. We went to the Brew Garden in Strongsville. I'm sorry, on Bagley Road, in Middleburg, after Maddie's uh, choral event last week. And then we went to Panini's just for a quick drink and some food over the weekend so that's our out and about we're looking to do some more if anyone has any any suggestions for us i know we give quite a bit here on the show but please let us know as we'll uh be looking to go out and about just after christmas so chad yeah. i i guess my recommendation don't give any surprises don't to give your any children. surprises as i my you know how much longer is this and i said what do you got a date you got to be somewhere what's going on <laughs> no i don't have a date well why do you want to know that <sighs> oh my well, sir, I appreciate your info. And yes, we were out and about and loving it in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland! This is for you! Time for another Cleveland sports history. Let's bring in the sports historian, Dusty Sloan. And Dusty, a very interesting one this week. We go back to 1999. Orlando Brown was ejected from a game for pushing referee Jeff Triplett to the ground. Triplett had accidentally hit Brown in the eye with a weighted penalty flag. Dusty, certainly a, a very strange situation and uh, unfortunate for Orlando Brown. But talk about what happened during that game and on that play and what proceeded after that. Well, I certainly remember that play like it was yesterday. It was 23 years ago, but uh, unfortunately it was at the end of the season. Expansion season for the Browns wasn't going very well. Ended up 2-14. and 14. But Orlando Brown was a guy who wanted to come back to Cleveland. Remember, he started in Cleveland, went to the Ravens with the team, came back as a free agent, and you think, well, you've got a bookend right tackle that you're going to have for an awful long time, and then this happens. And it affected his eyesight. He was out for years. Eventually came back with Baltimore again for a little while, but it was just such, it was one of those things you just pile it on with the Browns, the drive, the fumble, the move, the penalty flag, bottle gate, you just go on and on and on. And this was kind of the portent of things to come for the expansion era Browns. So that was Chris Palmer at the helm. Is that correct? As correct. Coach? Yep. So I remember an interview and Ted had talked about this at one point in time when he did an interview it was so strange because he would never say Orlando Brown's name. It was he would say, well, the player, the player, the player. Do you remember that interview? I do not remember that interview. And that is so odd because what that tells me is it's kind of like a Bill Parcells, Terry Glenn type thing where he didn't have the 
best relationship with him and maybe didn't even get asked about signing Orlando Brown. That's very odd. Yeah, I, I thought so, too. Now, Brown went on, you said, and, and came back after a few years. Now, I thought he got a settlement from the NFL or something like that with that as well. Isn't that correct, Dusty? Do you remember? Fairly that? certain that he did. Yeah. And then, uh, again, came back and played a little bit, tragically passed away a while back. And now his son, obviously, a very good tackle for the Chiefs. So, yeah, very tragic thing that happened right out of the gate that very first season. And uh, certainly wish it hadn't happened. It's obviously created changes in the NFL with the way referees throw flags, but you would hate to have that happen in order for that to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a sad situation for a, a very good. I, I thought he was a very good player when he was, you know, obviously didn't go through that injury. And when he came back, I thought he was a good player, but uh, yeah, a crazy time in 1999 when the Browns started, as uh, we look back then when Orlando Brown was ejected for, from a game by Jeff Triplett uh, and accidentally getting hit in the eye with a weighted flag. Dusty, as always, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ken. Cleveland! This is for you! Ted, what are you watching? <laughs> the opportunity for us to talk about what crazy stuff you and I, as well as family members, are watching yes. on the boob tube, as they call it. So, yes. Sir, I, I hand the baton to you, and you can start us off with, with this first segment. Yeah. What are you watching? So so we share, you know, we live with my in-laws. And so there are things that appear from time to time that are um, interesting. So one of the things that I noticed on our DVR is a movie called Fathom. Fathom. It was on FMX Retro. Never heard of that channel. You taking notes here? I am. I'm writing these down. Okay. This is a not rated movie from 1967. Ooh. The record time was an hour and 39 minutes, but at our house, we usually don't record at the beginning unless we set it up ahead of time. So I don't know that that was the actual runtime of the film. The synopsis, a buxom skydiver with a parachute team is recruited to retrieve a stolen component for a nuclear weapon by a man posing as an agent of the United States. Mm. Starring Anthony Fersosia, Raquel Welch, Ronald oh, Wazier, wow. and Greta Chi. It's an interesting wow. Yeah. I've, I've never heard of that movie. No, I the only thing I've heard of there is uh, Ra Raquel Welch. So now I will ask, you did not watch this. Did this not, is just on your DVR, this right? It's on the DVR. <laughs> I did not feel it was worthy of the hour 39 minute investment. Okay, got it. Next one. Okay. The Nine Lives of Vince McMahon. Mm. It's on Vice, rated TV 14. It just came out. It's two hours long. Vince McMahon had virtually full control over the world of wrestling for over four decades and turned it into a multi-billion dollar empire despite, despite lawsuits, accusations, scandals, and controversies. This is one that I chose to record and I started watching, and it's pretty interesting if you, you know, and we've talked wrestling here from time to time. And so oh, sure, yeah. So, this so that's one, one you're I actually would... kind of looking forward to, right? Yes. Was that made recently? Yeah, yeah it just was. came out. Oh, wow. That should be it an interesting one. With, He's got some stuff going on. What so. was it, like six months ago or whenever that he retired? It yeah. started with 
the announcement that he had just retired. So yep. yeah, it just came out. Yep. So that's uh, the nine lives of Vince McMahon. Got two more here. Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. Dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. Not sure what that is. That's on PBS, TVPG. Uh, came out in 2017. It's an hour long. A musical documentary about one of Christianity's most popular holiday soundtracks and how a group of Jewish songwriters wrote the songs. Never thought I'd hear about a Jewish Christmas. I think I'm dreaming of a Jewish Christmas. I, if I'm not that's mistaken. like the religious version of Jumbo Shrimp, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, that. I'm going to be honest with you. You're my buddy and all. We've known each yeah. other for a long time. Yeah. There is no one that has those three items recorded on their DVR <laughs> like you. Nobody else. You're the only one. Go from, go from Raquel Welsh to Vince McMahon to a Jewish Christmas. Okay. That is... Outstanding. All right, here's the last one. Weather Underground. Hmm. This is on the Weather Channel, rated TVG. The most comprehensive, reliable weather information possible is featured. Now, the thing that I found interesting about this, whoever recorded this recorded an hour and 20 minutes of it. <laughs> Why do you need an hour and 20 minutes? And this, so we skimmed through it. And they're talking about the storms down in uh, Georgia. And we don't have anybody we know in that area. So what the heck are we doing? Is it just an automated, uh, automatically recording or did someone press record? Let me ask you a question. Have oh, you ever boy. automatically recorded the Weather Channel? I have not. Okay. <laughs> I don't know of anybody. I mean, isn't the Weather Channel, you just flip it on, see the forecast, and hold on. If you look in the uh, if you look in the ratings for most DVR programs, I don't think that the Weather Channel is high on the list. No, unless you want to see what's that guy's name who goes out in the crazy weather. Oh, Jim Cantora. Yeah, Cantora. I'm standing in the middle of Hurricane Smith. I'm being blown away. (laughs) Yeah. So. Oh my. But what do you have? Well, that's going to be tough to beat. Those are uh, <laughs> I, uh, strong first effort. We don't use the DVR that we have. That's first and foremost. So I guess this is almost like a uh, basically I'm, I'm just kind of almost like I'm in reconciliation. I don't use the DVR. Mm-hmm. Well, your penance is that you have to watch all this stuff all the time. Um, two shows. The first one is mine. Everybody's talked about this. I never watched it. So I finally started watching and I'm way behind the show. Ted Lasso. Did you hear about this? It's basically oh. the, the premise of the show. It's a comedian. Uh, it's like Jason Sakadilkas or whatever his name is. He was on Saturday Night Live for a while. OK, he is a division two football coach that wins a national championship and gets hired to coach European soccer in the Premier League. That's the premise of the show. OK, it's, very interesting. Yeah, I, I've watched three episodes. I must say I'm kind of addicted, so I'll be finishing that here pretty soon. And then the other guilty pleasure that I have jumped on board with anyone to watch, 90 Day Fiance. Oh, sure. It is by far one of the most entertaining things I have seen in a very long time. Is the is the short guy still on there? Yes, Ed. Yes. Hey. Okay. He is now well, from the show that I've watched in this season. 
he is now on his <laughs> third person <laughs> just in this season. It just so, in this season. Yeah, he's trying very hard to find love and it's just oh, not working. Boy. Found a local gal, didn't work. Found a woman from Mexico, that didn't work. And now he's, you know, he's pursuing things. But unfortunately, and it's not a funny matter, his dog passed away. So we've oh. been dealing with that. Yeah, we've that is. Got a few other folks that have been on the show before. If you just want some mindless TV to see some ridiculousness, this is this is the one to watch. It really yep. is. It's, yep. it's very comical. So those are the two shows. I'll I'll have to do some more research because I cannot compare to what you brought to the table today, sir. I I am thoroughly impressed with your DVR. Well, I think I think you should find this movie called Fathom. Okay, and put it on when Eowyn's in the other room so that she can walk in, look at the TV and say, what are you watching? Dad, we have some good news for the Christmas holiday. Motorists in Marathon, Florida, who sped through a school zone, were pulled over by a sheriff's deputy dressed in as the Grinch. Hmm. Okay. They were speeding five miles or less over the school zone speed limit. They were given an onion from the Grinch as a reminder to slow down. Faster speeders received citations. Colonel Lou Caputo came up with the idea about 20 years ago as a nice way to remind motorists that school is in session for part of the Christmas season. I think that's a good way that people that need is. to be reminded to yep. slow down in the school zone. Seems like I don't care where you're at, what part of the country. Seems like people just cannot do that. That's crazy. No. No schools. Nice over. reminder, though. Very, very well done for in Marathon, Florida. Blah 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 Today's guest is a native of Cleveland, Ohio, graduating from St. Ignatius High School and also attending the University of Dayton. During his junior year at college, he realized he had a passion in writing movie scripts and movies. Our guest has been an executive producer, co-producer, line producer, and director for many different projects in the last 15 years. Our guest is an executive producer on a film that can be seen on Netflix called I See You, starring Helen Hunt. Our guest has worked with some of the best and brightest names in the industry, from documentaries to full-length films. He has worked with celebrities such as Craig Robinson, Jessica Chastain, and a hip-hop royalty such as Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, Wiz Khalifa, Warren G, and Snoop Dogg. I love that. <laughs> and it was all done in a 2017 documentary called G-Funk. Wait a Let's minute. Talk. Is it G-Funk? Isn't that the name you wanted me to use on the podcast when we started? No, no. Oh, okay. No. We had talked right. about that, but that, that's not going to happen. Okay. All right. I'm Let's gonna... talk with the very busy, very popular Bob Jerry, Bob. What a pleasure it is to talk with you, man. So great to see you, and thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is fun. It's always interesting to hear people rattle back your resume and see what Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> then you sit there and think about it like, wow, I've done a lot of stuff, and you really have. I mean, that was a mouthful, but to work with some of the people you have, it's it's pretty impressive. Let's be honest. Yeah, but it's funny because since you and I, so you and I both graduated together at Ignatius, just so, and there's some context to the background story. Um, it's been a while. So when you start to think about it, you look at 20 years, however long has elapsed since we graduated, all of a sudden you start to think like, oh yeah, I did that. But that was like in 2006, or I did that. That was in 2009. So yeah, things start to be compartmentalized. 
Yes. And, and the years start to get together a little bit as you, as we get older, as we're starting to understand with the kids and all that fun stuff too. So, oh, yeah. so let's, from the start, let's talk about how you got started in movies and documentaries and all that. Talk about what made you step away from what you were looking to do as your major at Dayton and then get into filmmaking and, and being part of that industry. Yeah. So you sort of mentioned it in the, in the intro, I just happened to be at a library um, or a bookstore actually, when I was at Dayton um, and I just saw a screenplay for a movie that I had seen called Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, but what was interesting about it was is that the guy had written a diary in the front of the screenplay talking about how the characters evolved, how the story took shape. And I thought it was so interesting to actually have that kind of perspective into his mind in terms of how he cultivated that story. And something about reading that first script, it just felt like that's what I was meant to do. So I always loved creative writing, but I'm not really a novelist. Um, and so I didn't really see any career in that until I saw screenplays, which is very straightforward in terms of you don't have to write beautiful prose. You just have to write what people are seeing on the screen. So something just clicked. As soon as, so I switched majors going into my senior year, had to take a bunch of summer classes and then wrote my first script right out of college. And it got picked up by a major studio right away. So I thought that I was like, I thought I had hit it right away. Um, but then I started to learn the real story of Hollywood where things go into development and then they die a slow death. <laughs> so that that was what happened, basically. Started off as a screenwriter, had producers always calling me, telling me what was happening, how it was about to get made. It kept getting written up in the trades. They were attaching cast to it. So I would get re-excited and then all of a sudden nothing would happen. So I wrote another script and the same story happened. And so finally I was like, I need to go into producing to take care of my own material. So well... Uh, I understand your first movie uh, called Take Shelter. You were a co-producer in 20, 2011. Uh, this is an American psychological thriller, and the plot follows a young husband and father plagued by a series of apocalyptic visions and questions whether to shelter his family from a coming storm or from himself. And by the way, I have that same question on a daily basis, but maybe not for the same reason. Um, he has worries about uh, having paranoid schizophrenia. This movie is based in LaGrange, Ohio, which is uh, about an hour west of Cleveland. Can you talk about getting that movie together and how you came to film it in, in LaGrange? Yeah, so that one was, um, I just, you know how there's those nights where you just have this inside lurking, lurk, not, that's not the right word. You have like this just weird feeling that you need to go go somewhere that you don't really want to go. Well, this particular night, I decided to go to a film mixer, which was like 30, 40 minutes away from me. But something just compelled me to go that night. And I ended up bumping into the writer director of that movie, um, Jeff, and then Tyler Davidson, the producer. And basically, I just spent the entire night talking to those guys. So by then, I had been producing commercials. I did most of LeBron's work when he was a Cavalier um, round one. So I was, I knew all the crew. I had been now on the producing side for a while. And so when I met those three, they, we just clicked and they brought me on board um, as an additional producer. So um, but the reason that it was filmed so far out was because it was Grafton, actually. Grafton, Elyria, that whole area. Um, Lorraine County. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was originally written for um, Arkansas. And so... Jeff wanted to have those kind of big, large, sweeping, flat landscapes because we knew we were going to have a lot of CGI of like storm sequences. So that is why we pushed so far out that direction. That's really cool. 
um, I have a follow-up question, but I want to continue what we're having about, you know, filmmaking in this area and all that kind of stuff. So an opportunity, obviously, I had to do some research. I want to sound like I know what the heck I'm doing, Bob. Okay, so <laughs> I found an interview you did on YouTube TV called Fire Builders. It's pretty cool. I, I've watched some of the other interviews. I watched the one you did. Now, during this interview, you talked about a few different things. So I want to bring up a couple quick points. Okay. You mentioned your first job was designing dresses for deceased ladies. <laughs> Can you talk about that? And where what 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 is that all about? Yeah, so... Uh, it's a long backstory, but uh, essentially <laughs> out of college. So actually, while I was at Dayton, um, I had switched majors to be uh, to do art and graphic design because I was designing T-shirts. So I lived only three hours away from Dayton. So basically what I would do is I would draw and design T-shirts for all the frats and sororities. I would come home on weekends. My dad and I would sit in the garage, drink Labatt beer and screen print all the shirts ourselves. That's and, then, and then I would go back to school. Um I'm sorry, what, what, what was the context of that? Oh, dead dresses. Well, designing, we're dresses. designing dresses for yeah. deceased ladies, which sorry. I never thought I'd hear those words in that order, but go I, ahead. Um, did you see how my mind tried to erase that memory? But yes, yeah. you guys are making that, that <laughs> synapse. Nice job, Ken. Yeah. Hey, sorry about that. Yeah, I drank a lot of bourbon to try and kill that brain cell. Um, <laughs> so anyway, my dad found a place, um, a big warehouse where we could put our screen printing equipment and then embroidery equipment and happened to be on the same floor as this company that made dresses for deceased women called Mary Grace Gowns. And they had one sales rep, they had three employees, and basically they made dresses that were sold to funeral homes so that people could buy pre-packaged arrangements. They could just say, oh, I want that dress so they don't have to think about their loved one or go through their, their closet. So while we were on that space, the guy who owned that company, um, offered to sell it to us at a low cost to try and keep his bigger, larger manufacturing company afloat, which made hockey jerseys. Mm -hmm. so we inherited this gown company and then eventually ended up inheriting his hockey jersey company as well. So yeah, that was the second script I wrote wow. was, was a movie called Dead Dresses about my dad handing me basically a shop that manufactures dresses for dead women after college. So so what 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 did your business card say when you worked at it? Designs dresses for dead people or was that... Um, there, was a, there was a Cranes article written that called me the Armani of the Dead. And so that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I started calling myself. Oh, my God. That's, uh, awesome. that's a great story. All right. So you go from uh, uh, the Armani of the Dead to producing commercials along with movie making. And you mentioned that producing commercials, not your full passion when we when you did this interview with Fire Builders, uh, but it's a paycheck. So. Talk about what it's like to produce a commercial, and can you give us some examples of some we might uh, be familiar with? Yeah, produce. Uh, yeah, producing a commercial is extremely stressful. So basically, especially when you're working with with superstars. So when you're working with, you know, LeBron James, and we did a, a bunch of Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, and Ben Stein commercials after he left. So when you're working with people of that caliber, there's been people that have been working on this commercial for months, concepting it. You know, there's a lot of money being spent. And they're coming into your town, which is how you get attached to the project. So they they know that they're coming into your world. Those people wanted to always film in their hometown. And so you basically just have to pull together a huge crew. You, you're really just meeting the director and the creative team. And you're essentially trying to make sure that everything falls into place in that one day window that you have to like capture it all. So those jobs tend to pay very well. I always say that commercials paid the bills and movies paid the soul. Um, but now I don't even know about that. Movies are so crazy these days. <laughs> Making movies. Um, 
that yeah it's all just a wild adventure but yeah so a commercial is is obviously it's just a very smaller time frame but you're you're more of just making sure everything happens the way that it's supposed to happen in that one day window whereas a movie you could take years you know some movies take years to develop and to attach the right cast member and when are they available and then once that piece falls into place then you can start attaching the rest until you can try and have all these major things have to align to be able to film but yeah so it's a big difference oh yeah no doubt well you talked about on the podcast podcast you did uh previously and then ours a little bit about you know certainly you are a writer you've enjoyed writing but you decided to become a producer to protect your writing can you talk more about that what do, what do you for, for those at home that aren't writers or producers or directors what does that mean what what, what are you trying to say there well just trying to give the power back to me where I have control of my own destiny because something that I didn't even notice in myself until much later is that when you're a writer and all these people show interest in it, but then it never gets produced, you start to feel like you're a victim. Nobody owes it to me. Nobody owes it to me to make that script. There's millions of great scripts floating around. And it's funny that I didn't even notice it until I started producing and I had to raise money where I realized how hard it is to get something up off the ground, how hard it is to raise money based on just an idea. You know, when you're producing a movie, you're pitching what you believe will be a finished product, what it will look like, where it's going to play, how much money it can make. You're doing all that from the ethos. Um, so yeah, that's the balance that you're always trying to walk there. So when I, when I started breaking into the industry, I just wanted to learn what producers do. And so that I would know what the lingo was, what's actually going, people would tell me we have a backstop deal with this company, the other company's coming in for half. And like, I didn't know what any of that meant. So I just felt like I needed to kind of take control so that I would have the power to do my own movies. Now you brought up Take Shelter, my first movie. That movie was kind of a blessing and a curse because that movie was so good that immediately uh, Tyler and I were, were doing film festival circuits. We're meeting with um, producers like literally like I had read about while I was in college where we were taking lunches at major film festivals, just reading scripts, script after script after script, meeting after meeting. And then we found another script that we both fell in love with. Uh, it was called Toys House at the time. It ended up coming out as Kings of Summer. Um, and we both just knew right away that we had to make that movie. Um, and so then I was still producing. And then once you're producing, then you just seem people just start sending you projects. And so I just stopped doing my own projects. I stopped doing my own writing and was basically producing projects for other people for scripts that I love. Hmm. Interesting. Well, now uh, it says here that you uh, had the opportunity to work for the Browns doing a show called Building the Browns. Now, before I ask my question, I want to make this clear. You have nothing to do with draft picks or signings of players. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? We don't blame you for their current uh, record. Is that, uh, am I right I, on that? I wish I did. Yeah, okay. I, I do All right. Not. So Building the Browns is... Uh, uh, I'm assuming it's a show about how, how they do it, but you're the producer. So can you talk about that experience and, and working in an environment with, you mentioned it was tough to, to work with uh, superstars on commercials. And now you've got uh, 53, 60 of them, however many, uh, I, I would imagine that the the stress goes up a little bit. Well, the stress for me was that this is a TV series. So I had never worked or produced where I was in charge of like trying to outline and basically script out what five episodes would look like. So I was brought in, the show already existed and I was actually already a big fan of the show. It's basically like a hard knocks that the Browns had started doing before hard knocks was up. Yeah. And so 
Um, I already loved the show. I already watched it. And then all of a sudden I got a call because this was the year of Freddie Kitchens. This was the year of Baker Mayfield coming into year two. This is when we got, you know, OBJ. And so um, the Haslams are very are media savvy. And so is JW, who's, you know, the son-in-law who runs the team. And so they wanted to bring in a producer um, so that I can bring in some extra resources because they have an internal video team, but they also have other things that they need to be working on. So they wanted somebody to come in and try and build it up um, and spend some money. So, yeah, that was a it was definitely a challenge. It was probably one of the greatest things and worst things I've ever done because I came in just uh, I think I overtaxed my team because I didn't have enough um, confidence to know exactly what storylines we needed. I didn't really understand and a typical training camp day, how much opportunity we had to film. So I think it started off with a little bit of tension that I probably was overcompensating and trying a little too hard, but I just started to find my groove, I think, around like the third, fourth, fifth episodes and actually started to really enjoy it. I got to fly on the team planes, stay in their hotels. You get to go to their rooms and interview them if there's a story that you're following. So it was a really cool opportunity just to see like a kind of behind the scenes story of how the NFL works and how the players their dynamic um so yeah i mean it's something that i'll always treasure but um it's not something that i think i would have continued doing for years to come well follow-up question to that so you you said obviously that would be difficult to do you're trying to create all these different episodes for a series so when you were filming were you just kind of filming and just kind of seeing what was going on and then you came up with the idea of what that episode's going to be about or did you have a basic idea going in each one no i had to have an idea that's what was so hard i remember yeah, I that would be super hard and you have to present it to a series of people, including the PR team who have to sign off on the storylines you're telling. And so I just remember I got so stressed out that I think I ended up just pulling one all nighter where I just brain dumped every single idea I had and just started trying to fine tune it and make it stronger and connect dots as I went. And I think just in one wild flurry, I handed in a piece of paper that was like four or five pages long that had all of the working storylines going through it. And that was just kind of like, again, trial by fire. Like, I have no idea if what I sent them was completely unprofessional or if I fooled them or, you know, <laughs> all I know is we ended up using it as our basic blueprint. And then, you know, things might move a little bit. Like, I remember one day Phil Dawson, we found out was coming in. And so we took part of an episode and we followed him and learned about how he had a flag in the corner of the stadium that a sniper had taught him how to how to judge the wind called Phil's flag, like a lot of little things would pop up that you would alter. But basically, yeah, you had to try and figure it all out in advance. You had to predict the future. That's impressive. I'll be honest with you. I did watch those. They're very well done. So I, I hats off to you. And I did watch that series with Freddie Kitchens and Baker and all that stuff. You, you guys did a great job. You have a lot to be proud about. Um, great so with a bunch of stuff, you are now part of the media group called Think Media Studios, leading video and film production company in Cleveland. Talk about working for Think Media Studios, what projects you've been working with them recently, and so on and so forth. Yeah, so Think Media Studios is a company that I had known about for years. So, like, they're the one studio in town that I would see their trucks out there. I would hear great things about them. I think one year we both had a movie at Sundance at the same time. Um, so we just kept crossing paths, but for whatever reason, I had just never stepped into their, um, their wheelhouse. So, like, we just kind of were always passing ships. Then COVID hits. And during COVID, I didn't know if I was ever going to have a job again in my life. Like when it was first in its, you know, that first wave when it was all just unknown, um, I started doing food styling because food doesn't care about COVID. So I started doing some food styling and somebody who I met through that asked me to step in for uh, her as an AD, an assistant director on one of the shoots that they were doing for Purell, which of course would shoot during COVID. Sure. 
Um, and it was on that shoot that I just clicked with the director. Like we just both hit it off. Um, we ended up shooting for two days. So by the end of the second day, they happened to have an in-house female producer and an in-house female director who were both going on maternity leave in about two or three months from when I worked with them. And so because I produced and directed, they asked if I would just do like a 13 week short-term contract for them just to kind of fill in the gap and help them weather that little period. And then both lovely ladies had their children and they both returned. And then I was still there. I had like projects that we were working on. And then, um, and then I actually started producing a movie that I had started pre COVID um, thing. Media studios ended up coming on board and is producing it. And my friend, Jeff, the guy who I worked on that commercial with and I are both directing it. So that's a, another hip hop movie about uh, run DMC, the beastie boys and L cool J called Hollis. Cause they all came out of Hollis Queens. So when, yeah. So I just kind of all melt meshed perfectly together. And now I think I've been there full time for, I don't know, probably going on two years. Wow. That's awesome. That's yeah. Great. So, so I'm going to see how many NDAs we can get you to violate with this question. What? I'll, I'll violate all of them. Go for it. <laughs> Upcoming movie projects or things we can see uh, your name on that are uh, going to be coming out soon. Uh, yeah. So hopefully um, Hollis. So right now we've been filming that. We got to film Run DMC, which I, I grew up loving those guys. Um, we filmed Russell Simmons. And so we have a bunch of interviews already in the can and now it's being pitched to major networks. So, we're hoping that a streaming service, normally in the past, we would raise all the money, film something, and then go out and try and sell it. In this instance, we felt like we have enough star power. We have a good enough trailer that we really love. And the new world is turning into a web series. So what we're trying to do is now package it as a three-part series. And we brought on an executive producer who has a lot of TV uh, background and has a lot of projects on air who's now going um, service to service pitching the story. So... Hoping that one uh, is filming this year. And then I decided to step back into the producerial role because I just found another script that I love too much um, that I just had to do it. So usually in order for me to decide to produce something, it's such a stressful, crazy, long commitment um, that I have to love something. So I read a script and then it haunted me and then I had to keep going back and rereading it. And then I just knew that I, I had to be a part of it. So uh, the director of that film, the writer director of that film actually just moved to Cleveland um, so he's now set up here and we just had our first in, in-person meeting last week. And so now we'll start prep and we're just waiting for our first main cast member to attach. Um, we're out to somebody who I absolutely love, but I won't say it yet just in case it doesn't work out. But if it does. So that's the NDA we're not going to violate is what you're saying. Is that <laughs> an NDA? I just think it's like, okay. a, it's, like a super, it. it's a superstition. Okay. It's a jinx. I got it. Yes. All right. So my follow up to that. With Cleveland, it seems like this has now become a place where people want to shoot films and do different video things and things like that. A person that has a ton of experience in this industry. What has changed in recent years that people want to come here and do that here in the wonderful city that you grew up in? The biggest thing is the tax credit. So okay. state of Ohio is one of the last to the table, but it actually ended up benefiting us in the long term because before people really had a good understanding of how that would work and how the money actually would shuffle through the economy, a lot of states went too high on their tax credits. And so basically they were up and running for like a year or two. They had huge movies coming in, all the Marvel movies. And then they realized that the credit that they had put out there was way too high and they were end up losing money and they would all bankrupt. So um, Ohio came in late with a capped number to see how it would work. And they waited and did their homework and you know saw what other cities were doing. Um, so by the time the credit came, I think it was around like 2009, 2010, 
Um, we we got all the defectors from the other states that went under. So we got the Marvel movies. We got, you know, that's when the Avengers came and Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and then once people started coming here, they realized that we had this really good internal crew base of people that have been here. We've got lifers that work year round. And then I, we also have a city that can give you lots of different looks. We have Metro parks. You can cheat parts of downtown for New York. So it's a very diverse in terms of its architecture and the different looks you can get out of within a 30 minute drive, basically. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And it's super exciting to hear, you know, I never did. I think, and you probably didn't think this either being in high school, that a Spider-Man movie, a Marvel movie, or all these different movies would be shot here, you know, certainly in the downtown area. It's pretty neat. I'm looking forward to seeing what else is, is done, but that, that makes sex makes sense with the tax credit and all that. Yeah. Well, Bob. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, we never saw movies being filmed ever here. No. Like, it was never even on my radar. The only thing I'd ever heard about was that the house from uh, a Christmas story, like that's the yep. only story yes. that ever circulated. And then the bridge or just the opening scenes from, um major, major league, league. Yep. yeah yes. but, the rest, but it was still those were still filmed in milwaukee and also you know like they just filmed some exteriors yeah. here so we weren't even good enough to have our own stadium stand in for itself in major league That's i true. know yeah. crazy it's crazy it's just nuts well bob we really appreciate the time want to give you the opportunity to, obviously you talked about some things coming up but how can people follow your work follow you and find out what the latest and greatest is with bob or jerry I think at Think Media Studios, we're doing a big social media push right now where we're starting to put out a lot of content. And so you can see the movies that we're working on. Um, so everything that I'm doing now is is now funneling through Think Media just because I've been there now. And so all the projects that I've had up, we're all now merging and combining our efforts to see through. So yeah, a lot of those things, like we just got to, we do all the Cavs, big hype videos. So we got to, I just got to direct Machine Gun Kelly uh, for the big Cavs home opener, which was a ton of fun. Um, and so, yeah. So if you just, if you follow Think Media Studios, um, you will see everything that uh, that I'm up to and that the company is up to. That's awesome. That's great. Well, Bob, thank you so much for the time. Congratulations on all your success. I mean, my gosh, you've done a lot of things and I know there's a lot more to come because obviously with your creative mind and your ability to write very well, I imagine there's going to be some stuff way down the road that you don't even know about yet. So that's that's really cool. I Hopefully. appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that too. Yeah, last little story is that that first script that I told you about that kept dying in development hell. While yeah. I was, it's a basketball script that I wrote in 2002 as I was going to direct the Cavs commercial, literally walking into the building. I get a call from the guy who wrote the movie about that said that that movie is about to go into production. So, don't know if it's official, but all of a sudden that one might come full circle, which would make the story better for the next interview I do. That it actually yeah. finally came full circle. Right now, I have a dangling storyline. It only took 20 years, right? It only took 20 years. Yeah. It's okay. Well, as we move forward, and if that gets big, then we'll, I, we'd love to have you on again. But uh, once again, congratulations uh, on your success. Best of luck in the future. And once again, it's always nice to some talk to somebody from the Cleveland area that's doing very well in something I don't think you ever experienced that you'd be doing. So that's very cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's fun. And I started listening to your podcast after you uh, reached out to me. And I think it's awesome what you guys are doing. It's like you've been doing this for 20-some years, which I don't know, maybe you have in some form. Well... Uh, a little bit. We probably have, just we haven't been recording it until the last couple. Is that about yeah, it? Right. <laughs> it's great, and I'm excited to be on it. So thank you. Thank you. Very cool. Thank you, Bob. The most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips.
All right, Ken, here we go. An Arizona driver got pulled over for riding in the high-occupancy vehicle lane. The driver had, uh, as his second passenger, or his, his passenger, he had an inflatable Grinch in the passenger seat. <laughs> Apparently, the officer's heart did not grow enough as the driver did get a ticket. Heck of a try. Yeah. I appreciate the effort. Cops in Germany are investigating an interesting theft from a farm. 60 containers of bull sperm were stolen. No word on how the heist happened. Uh, The cargo, though, that stuff needs to be supercooled with liquid nitrogen at negative 196 degrees Celsius. So even if... So many questions. How are you going to... How do you... I I don't don't know. Too many questions for that story. Yeah. We could have a whole podcast just on that. Boy, a two-year-old in Uganda is an amazing survivor. The child was apparently grabbed by a hippo, and the hippo was in the process of swallowing the boy when a man saw what was happening and threw rocks at the hippo. So the hippo spit the boy out and lumbered away. The boy was treated at a local hospital, given a rabies vaccine, and released. The things I thought I would not hear today. That is one of them. I didn't imagine anybody would be swallowed by a hippo. Swallowed by a hippo. Poor little young man. Yeah. And all they did was give him a rabies vaccine. Jeez Louise. Well, I mean, maybe this is a sign. Carry rocks wherever you go. You never know when you can help somebody out. Carry a rock. I think, uh, yeah, carry a rock. I think maybe the healthcare system is a little different in Uganda. I'm not sure, though. Yep. Maybe. In sports, here's the scoreboard. 100 to 96, 87 to 82, 96 to 71, and 115 to 108. Hmm. There you go. I'm Ted Klopp. That's news to me. Hey, Ken, where does Frosty the Snowman keep his money? Where does he keep his money? I'm not sure. At the snowbank. That joke was horrible. Coming to the end of episode 104. Special thanks to Bob Ruggieri with uh, the uh, visit and uh, the the kind, uh, generous donation of his time to talk to us about all things movie and television production. That was quite interesting. Yeah, he's sort of big time. I mean, you're yeah. doing documentaries with, uh, I don't know, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. I mean, I, the closest I get to a celebrity is talking to you every week. Yeah, so, well, that's where I'm at. Carried away with that. But what was that one guy, uh, T Money or G Money or something? Isn't that what you wanted me to? I don't know. What? Yeah. T Pain. Was it T Pain? I don't know. Okay. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Him, him G-Funk. No, that's just the G-Funk. Oh, the G-Funk. That's the name of the documentary. Well, that's yeah. my that's my street. That's going to be your new name, G-Funk. G-Funk, right. G-Funk, actually. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. All right. So um, I know Santa is uh, – Are you? have you figured out if you're on the naughty list or the nice list? I, I don't know. I'm like a tweener, if that makes okay. sense. I've done some naughty things for a long time, but mm-hmm. I've sort of been nice recently. So I, I, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like uh, – we ask people if they go to heaven or if they go to hell and yeah. you're in between. So a purgatory, I don't know. Is there like a purgatory list or a tweener list? I'm probably on that <laughs> is my guess. 
or no list at all. I didn't even <laughs> didn't make the list. That seems about a, right. Half a piece of coal and a cookie. Is that what right? You, okay. No, you get nothing. Okay. Our kids have found uh, some websites that will apparently look you up and tell if you're on the naughty or nice list. Really? Oh yeah. Did you oh, look yeah. your name up? Uh, I don't think they looked me up. They looked each other up. And uh, they make it? Are they good? I I think so. Okay. I think so. I guess we'll, is this a, I, is this a day to day thing really? I mean, well, it's kind of like we're out. Uh, isn't it all? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, it's uh, it's a day that ends in Y. The uh, the word of the day at our house is always chaotic. 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 Uh, so, is there anything that you've uh, gotten Aowen that you'd like to uh, share here on the uh, show, uh, gift wise? Aside from whatever Santa will bring, I I won't go into particulars because, I mean, perchance that she listens to this podcast. I mean, oh, oh my gosh! I mean, you never yeah. know. I mean, it is the holiday what season; the things slow down. But uh, I think there's a better chance of this pen being stuck in my eye than her <laughs> listening to this podcast. So I can get into two. So we went and the deal we did this year is we decided we're going to get each other gifts and a has to be under $75. Oh, there you go. So that was, that's kind of what we did. So just okay. to kind of make it easy. So I got a couple of kitchen items for that. I've been marking down for a while, which is actually smart. I mean, I, I cannot, I'm at the point now and I'm not sure where you're at with buying stuff for your wife. Uh, it's hard because you have it's so many tough. different things already. Now, and you don't want to double up anything. So as I see things, I have like a notepad next to the bed and I write stuff down just so I can remember. So I had a couple items like that that you, I got. Kitchen I, items. You're not going to have talking about stuff for it, so. kitchen items. It's not the dustpan and the broom, is it? Oh, no, oh. no, no, that's <laughs> no, that's not. That's not it. Cooking items. Okay. Things to cook with. So. <laughs> yeah, I used to make... stuff. I could never go wrong with that. Yeah. So. I remember I used to make about about lists. yourself. What do you, what I do you used, got? I used to make lists and take pride in finding, you know, the most unique thing that she really wants, but doesn't know she wants. Right. We, I don't think we give gifts anymore. Really? You, know, you don't do gifts for each I, other? No, Something little, small. Uh, I mean, we're not talking about big money here. 20 bucks. I, I, I'm still trying to figure that one out. I got a little time okay. left. But, I got you. Uh, All right. You know, uh, three kids all in that age bracket were, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, understand. But understand. Uh, yeah, well, we certainly hope that uh, everybody has a Merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, uh, whatever holiday you celebrate. We hope it's a great one. And, uh, we hope you will join us next year as we Absolutely. close out 2022. How will you ring in the new year? Uh, in my underwear on the couch. On the couch. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to all. Thanks to all the listeners. Look forward to talking to everyone in 2023. And just remember, we're just two middle-aged men in Cleveland. Two middle-aged men in Cleveland is sponsored by Westminster AV. Custom audiovisual packages for all occasions. Well, wow. I, I, you know, I wanted to stay home. I said, well... Finally, I just went with, believe me when I tell you, this is not a mistake that will be duplicated. 